right. We are live back on the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with me, Moira Kassaba, your host. And I have a friend and an exceptional human today on the show for you, Mr. Dan Clark. And we've been chatting for a couple years now, back and forth, and you're finally here. So thank you. Thank you, Moira. What an honor. And as we said before you pushed record, uh, I'm a fan. Oh, and when you. the water and lake goes up, all the boats rise together. So it's just an honor. It really is to be on your podcast. I've been on so many, and I don't think I have the fan base uh, with any of the other hosts I have of you. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited to get into so many things. But before we do that, because I know that our minds operate a lot of alike, right? We think about leadership the same, a lot of business philosophies. But before we go there, you know, back in the day, I used to always kind of set the podcast up and, and record a separate intro with, you know, the, all the stats and the glory of, of who the speaker was. But lately, I've just been wanting to ask you, who is Dan Clark? How would you answer that? And and can you answer that both from kind of a professional, you know, accolade side of it and also a personal side? You know, something that that you and I agree on that you teach the world in your coaching program is that if you find out who you are and you're clear on who you are and why you do what you do, the accolades, the success, the significance is organic and it kind of takes care of itself. Absolutely. So when I am interviewed and they ask me how I became a speaker, the most important message is I didn't try to be a speaker. (laughs) So when someone comes to me and they say, Dan, I want to be a speaker. And I say, why? And they share some ego-driven, exhilarating experience that they just had speaking to a group. And they say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I always ask them two questions that I had to, that I was forced to ask myself way back in the day. Question number one, what would you drive five hours one way to say to somebody for free? Mm. And if you don't know what that is, you don't know who you are and you're not clear on your purpose. You don't know why, as you say, you know, pain, as we both agree, pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. And as you say, you know, it, it, it can be a gift. If you can't answer what you would drive five hours one way to say to somebody for free, you're not clear on your purpose and on your vision, on your why, and your why is not bigger than your why not. Second question I ask people who want to be speakers, let's sharpen the tip of the spear. If you had one hour to live, what would your message be? What's that last lecture? And if you haven't taken the time in your life to figure out what that is, you can never be a public speaker. You can never be a professional speaker and get paid to speak. Yeah. You'd never be an author. You know, you would just keep, you know, stay in your lane and just kind of do what you're doing. So I love to talk about comfort zone and calling. Mm. If you're not, if you don't know what you would drive five hours one way to say to somebody for free, that's not a calling. That's a job. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to do this. But when you actually come to the realization that you've had a life experience that can help heal someone, that can help save someone from taking their life, that can save a marriage, that can accelerate someone's journey as as an entrepreneur, then you feel passionate and called to share that message, to share your journey, that story, because again, your why is bigger than your why not. Yes. But too many of us drag our calling, or we don't even know what it is, down to our level of comfort zone. Oh, I'm shy. I'm introverted. I failed. 
I don't have a story we're sharing. And so we, we dilute or eliminate or distract ourselves from our calling. So what we have to do, and you and I have spoken in multi-level marketing companies many times, what I've always said is too many people drag their dreams down to the level of their income. And what we have to do is figure out a way yeah. to work our dream up to the level of, I mean, to work our income up to the level of our dreams. And that scenario still holds true. Instead of dragging our calling or not even knowing what it is down to the level of our comfort zone, oh, that's not me, my, my life sucks. What we have to do is drag our comfort zone up to the level of our calling. Yes. If you have a significant emotional experience that changed your life, guaranteed, there's at least one man and one woman in every audience who is hurting as badly as we were, mm. who've lost their identity, who, who have lost their health. Yeah. And our, our stories and our personal eyewitness experience can reignite their passion and give them yes. that hope faith they need to get back up and go again and that's a long answer to your simple question but I became a speaker because of significant emotional events in my life and let me just define what that is psychologists call them SEE acronym <clears throat> a significant emotional event is an experience that we have where we can actually measure and quantify how we thought what we believed and how we behaved and acted before it occurred mm -hmm. And how we now think differently, believe differently, and behave and act differently because it occurred. Two operative words before and because. Yeah. So I had throat cancer when I was eight. It's my first recollection of basically understanding Freud's law of sublimation, sublimation when someone says, you can't, you're not, not enough. Someone lets pain and anger and depression hold them down, kick them to the curb. What Freud says in the law of sublimation is, no, you use it as a motivator. When someone yes. says, you can't, you say, oh, yeah, watch me. Watch me. Yes. And no one taught me that. I just think it was the environment in which I was raised. And I remember in the hospital where I heard the doctor saying that if the cancer, one more day, if the cancer ate through my, my the wall of my esophagus, it would destroy my vocal cords. Wow. I would never be able to sing, written a lot of hit songs, recorded or speak, which is my livelihood. Yeah. Um, I remember when, um, wow. Uh, you know, I played football for 14, I mean, for 13 years, I was paralyzed for 14 months. We'll talk about that. Goodness. Uh, when my dad died, it was a significant emotional experience. Uh, I was hospitalized with COVID. All these things happened, which really are just a reflection of who I, who I became at a young age, where I was put down, bullied, you're not enough, you're never gonna amount to a hill of beans. I was kind of a wild, you know, OCD kid, always focused on ex excellence and becoming the best I could be, but I was just an athlete, an excellent athlete, all American, but that's all. You know, seventh grade could have been my senior year. Wow. So who I am is basically someone who, who wants everybody to leave me saying, I can do what any, yeah person has done to get up and go again exactly like you Moira I love yeah. you are you because of that but in a in a phrase lyric from one of my songs I want everybody to leave me saying I like me best when I'm with you I want to see you again mm. so I became a storyteller and I was paralyzed playing football and that's the this, the one single event that ignited my public speaking career that uh, illuminated my calling that I'm going through this. Nothing happens to us. Everything happens for us. 
Yes. And what am I learning from this experience that I can share with the world? I promise I'll never give a long answer like that to your next question. <laughs> I love that long answer. I mean, you just said so much. And I think the the radical thing about you is that you just talked about these real like tragedies, right? In your life, the hardest moments in your life, but you use them to ignite you to another level versus what I think the majority of people do is it it builds a cage, right? It builds, you know, this identity of being a victim and it's the thing that holds them back. And you and I both believe that should be the thing that that propels you to just a, an entirely new vision for your life, an entirely new possibility for your future. So how do you, how, that's kind of the magic question there, right? How do you in that moment because I think it's it's natural for you and I, right? And and maybe it's because we've been through enough crap, right? We've been through enough experiences where you're kind of like, I'm tired of being beat down. I'm I'm going to decide to use this instead of be held back by it. But how do you teach people to use those experiences to go to the next level versus holding them back? It's a great 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 question. You know, when you're a coach, when you're involved in Beachbody, when you're a fitness guru. And I've tried to stay in shape. You know, I played football, basketball, baseball, ran track, you know, played at the highest level, 13 years football. What we have to remind ourselves about is the mindset of the gym, mm -hmm. where we can't just talk to people and try to coach people about using their pain to grow, not to suffer, to, to realize that nothing happens to us, everything happens for us, all the things that I, the cliches I just whipped off. It's deeper than that because what we do as athletes is we go into the gym and on purpose, we create discomfort. Right. We don't just say, okay, I'm going to look at pain as a signal to grow. Oh my gosh, my heart was just broken. Oh my gosh, I just failed here. And now what am I going to do about it? No. What we have to do is create that discomfort on purpose. So the yes. night before we go to bed, we have to make a list. Of not just that righteous routine that you and I share waking up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I remind everybody, they say, I've written 37 best-selling books. And I'm in the I'm a New York Times best-selling author, you know, inducted in the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. Written some gold record songs. And everybody says, gosh, Dan, how do you do that? I'm like, you know, my buddy Gary Brecka says, if you are selfish in the morning, you can be selfless the rest of the day. Yes. So with 1,440 minutes in every day, and we read Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he says, we can improve our overall performance if we just improve 1% every day. 1% right. of 1,440 minutes is 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Surely we can wake up 15 minutes longer than we normally do yeah. and, and master the art of significance. So every morning I wake up at 5 a.m. And if I don't, if I don't wake up the second that alarm goes off, if my feet do not hit my floor and immediately head downstairs to my gym, within 10 minutes, I'm starting to save my money up for liposuction and a tummy tuck. <laughs> which, right. means, which means being disciplined is more important than being motivated. Yes, so absolutely. On the, the, in the morning, I listen to a podcast while I'm exercising, but then mm -hmm. while I'm sweating, you know, then I cold plunge at mm -hmm. 45 
degrees for eight to 10 minutes will change your Ooh, day. Eight to 10 minutes. Oh, I'm telling you, girl. You got me beat. <laughs> and, then, and then while I'm naturally letting my body warm up itself, which burns calories, we all yeah. know the science and physiology behind cold plunging. I've already plotted out what I'm going to study, not podcast. Right. Big difference. And what you suggest is so powerful, girl, is that you 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 streamline your consciousness to the end of your fingers, pull out a pen and write down something. Yes. That's great. But the night before, I'm challenging everybody to consciously create something that you will do the next day that will take you out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and force you into discomfort so that you continue on with the mindset of the gym, knowing you can't just go to the gym once and everything's good. Right. Every day we put a little more weight on, we spend one more minute on the pre-core than we did the day before, whatever the case may be. And we do something on a daily basis to, to, to force ourselves into discomfort. That's the answer to the question. We've got love it. to consciously say, I need to feel a little sore. Yeah. And as an athlete, we experience that physically, mm-hmm. but how about mentally and oh, emotionally? Yeah. How about spiritually? Like, oh, do I really believe that I'm going to see my dad again now that he's passed away of cancer? Do I really believe that when I die, I don't lose my memory and I want to make sure my life mattered? You know, emotionally, I play the game that I learned as a football player. We watch game film of the upcoming opposition, the upcoming game the team we're going to play against so we can put ourselves in that position before we're in that position right. that that team hops in that formation and I'm a linebacker and I say wait there's a 95% chance they're going to run it right over here through the B gap I'm going to cinch it up I'm going to lower my center of gravity I'm going to show up on the line of scrimmage in a really bad mood <laughs> pick up something like he just hit my sister and I'm going to freak yeah. his lips off you know, and that's a good metaphor everybody needs to listen to. A football play is 30 seconds long. You have 30 seconds between each play. And the average play lasts five seconds, which means you have 25 seconds in between each play to recalibrate your yeah. brain. Oh, I'm a loser. Oh, that guy just caught a pass over me for a time. Oh, whoa, me. Or as you teach us as a coach, Moira, recalibrate immediately. What are you going to do now? No matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. You can't always control what happens, but you can always control what what happens next. Refocus, fire up, let go of that negative as you teach, and just focus in on the possibilities and the probabilities of right now. They also show, since we brought up football, not every play is designed to score a touchdown. Right, right, right. One play sets up the next play, which sets up the next play. And eventually the running back running back breaks through the line for a 30-yard scamper to score the game-winning touchdown in life, in sales. This this touch sets up this touch, sets up yeah. this engagement, sets up this appointment. This failure sets up this success, which sets up another failure, which sets up another success. If you're not failing a few times, it means you're not right. you're not pushing yourself hard enough. I think we're on to something there where we've got to coach people up in the mindset that discomfort and pain is where we grow absolutely and 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 we can do that on purpose right on purpose find a room don't just 
If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. No, on purpose, make sure you're the dumbest person in the room. Make sure you're the dumbest person in the mastermind so you can just absorb and learn and leave differently saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, you just said so much. I mean, it really is this intentional effort to experience discomfort. You know, I had this experience today I woke up completely unmotivated, just couldn't get it together. I'm My morning process is all out of whack because my kids are back in school. Now they're going to two different schools. So the morning routine is just upside down every day. We haven't like nailed down a new process. And I put off working out for an hour and a half. And I, I was aware that my mind was really against me this morning. And so I knew that this is the day that counts, right? It doesn't really count when I'm motivated and excited to go work out and I, and I go hard and I kick ass, those days don't really build anything. It was today, right? So I was like, I know how important it is to, I was like, that clock hits 8.30, I'm gonna be working out. Like I can't, I'm not going past that minute. I held myself to that. And then in the gym, I was like, I'm gonna have to actually go longer. I'm gonna have to finish this workout and do more today because this is the day I wanna skip it, Right. I need to, this is the opportunity, this discomfort, this me against me in my own mind, this is the opportunity for growth. This is the opportunity to rewire so that, you know, five days from now, when I wake up again, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to work out. It's that much easier. We're actually rewiring our brain in these processes and in these habits and in these rituals that we put into place. I can't tell you how many times I have caught myself, and I know this has happened to you, in moments of frustration or impatience or pain, right? I've had injury where I've been sitting in an ER in the waiting room and I'm just like going mentally to where I am when I'm in the ice tub, you know? And I'm like, I can remember I actually burned my hand really bad, like had to go to the burn unit and everything. And we know there's not much more, nothing much more painful than a burn. And I I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how I would physically get through this if I didn't have the practice of intentionally, mentally pushing myself through pain and discomfort in the past. And that's what we're up against when we get in a fight with our spouse, when we want to, you know, strangle our children, when we're stuck in traffic, it's like all of that practice shows up. And so I, I just love it so much because it's so freaking simple, right? But we also know that people don't do the simple things right? They want the complicated answer that sounds really hard. And it really comes down to basics. And it comes down to repetition. It, it, I mean, you got to read the compound effect. I think it's one of the like, end all be all books of all time in personal growth, because when you understand, truly understand the compound effect, you start to change your actions. Let me, uh, let me add to that too, because I've done so much with the military. I've been downrange eight times, Iraq, Afghanistan, firing them up. And I just got off a 90-minute Zoom training with Yokota uh, Air Base in Japan for all their generals and all their commanders. So it's fresh on my mind. And one of the things that we have to understand about PTS, because all of us hear about PTSD and we equate it to the military coming back, mm-hmm. but we've all experienced post-traumatic stress in our lives in some form or another at Absolutely. different levels. What the new science teaches us, Moira, is that we drop the PTSD. There's no disorder. There's no syndrome. It's post-traumatic stress. 
Yes. And the new science says if we if we treat it as an injury, mm-hmm. that changes our thinking, it changes our perspective, mm-hmm. it changes our mindset, knowing that when we're injured, if we go through the steps of of rehab and right. we don't try to cut corners, shortcut the process. I've experienced that in my life. I've broken my neck, broken my back, my nose, my jaw, had my head sewn up 11 times, you know, broken both hands, both thumbs, both little fingers, had two hernias. <clears throat> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two hernias. <laughs> and these surgeries, you know, paralyzed playing football. And here's what I learned more. Every single time I've been injured, no matter what it was, when I go through the proper steps of rehabilitation, every part of my body that was injured becomes stronger than it was before I injured it. And that also holds true with our mindset, our attitude, and our broken hearts and shattered dreams. So when we look at PTS as an injury, that gives these soldiers, Marines, airmen, sailors, a different perspective on Absolutely. what they can do to not not give up right do you know 22 suicides a day in the veteran community community that's what we've all heard no it's now over 40 so what if we have an argument with our spouse or our partner our significant other and we don't look at it as an argument we don't look at it as a fight we look at it as an injury let us heal right. let's figure out the proper steps of communication and listening and empathy and change our perspective. I love that. We look at any discomfort, anything in our life as an injury, it changes everything. So, you know, in my, in my Ted talk, I really, I I extracted the lessons I learned flying up into space. I hope you'll ask me about that experience. Yes. Five hours seeing the curvature of the earth. But when I was there caught in the sounds of silence, it changed my life forever because it changed my perspective forever, which which controls everything that we think and believe. Think about this and do. Mm-hmm. Is your glass half empty or half full or is it refillable? Yeah. It's perspective. If you and I and everybody listening on this podcast, we're in the same room and we're looking out the window at the same lashing rainstorm and someone complained what a horrible day. Right. And someone else exclaimed what a wonderful day. The weather did not change. Right. It's perspective. Yeah. One of the best examples I can give, let's say this side of my hand is painted white and this side is painted blue. What color is my hand? White, blue. Who's right? You all are. Right. Depending on your perspective. So in order for us to communicate at the deepest levels of empathy and total understanding, we must be willing to come around on the other side of the hand and acknowledge the other person's perspective that, yes, it is white or blue. Yes. It turns every argument about who is right. Yeah into agreeing on what is right so we can move forward together. That'll save marriages, that will save suicide, that will save businesses just by understanding perspective. So when you have something that you perceive as being painful, here's what we have to understand about the mind, the brain, and the body, which constitute the soul. Yeah. If you step your toe on the table leg, That's a physical experience, Mm -hmm. which sends a neurotransmitter to your brain that logs it in and measures it and, 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 and indexes it as pain. But the mind separate than the brain Mm -hmm. is what interprets how we're going to react or respond. 
And I love to tell a funny story. I was on the program <clears throat> with an 87-year-old woman who was introduced to speak. And when she stepped up to the podium, she dropped her speech. Cards scattered all over the oh, floor. No. What would you have done? She leans into the microphone and she says, I'm sorry, I'm so nervous. I gave up beer for Lent and this whiskey's <laughs> killing me. <laughs> How are you going to react or respond is based on exactly what you reminded us and taught us about, Coach. It's, it's experience, it's practice. I love what you teach about everybody's focused on changing their habits. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, habits are a residual impact and outcome of what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. I always, you know, I love quotes. So one of my favorite lines I wrote is, it's easier to act our way into positive thinking than it is to think our way into positive action. Absolutely. It's not the sugar that makes the tea sweet. It's the stirring. It's mm. the process. Yeah. You know, motivational speaking and, and thinking positive is overrated. Yeah. Most people take action immediately on what they've experienced in a mindset, in a heart set shift in the moment. It's yes. all about shifting our perspective as you teach, shifting our mind and letting the behavior follow. Absolutely. Gosh, so many good things. I, going back to, you know, the PTS and dropping the D, the disorder, such an identity piece, right? When we think we have a disorder or we think we have a disease or we think we are categorized in this box, there's instant shame, right? There's an identity shift that people put on themselves that doesn't serve them. And it's so interesting that you talk about this kind of, you know, this example of the gym over and over again, because I always think about that in regards to, you know, we really understand working out our body, you know, to build muscle. And most people understand that you're breaking down muscle to rebuild it, to be stronger when you're in the gym, but working out daily mm -hmm. or five days a week is should be looked upon no differently as the work and the time that we want to put into our brain, right? Reconditioning our brain, shifting the perspective of our brain, you know, rewiring the habits that we want to, you know, see ourselves in and act into. And so I always say, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm short on time in the morning and I've got 15 minutes and I could do a 15 minute workout, or I could do 15 minutes for my, for my mind, it's, it's my mindset every single day because my mindset affects everything. My biceps don't affect everything. You know, like I can get a workout in tomorrow. I can get a workout in the next day. But my mindset affects just what you said, my perspective, my identity, the habits I'm going to take, the actions I'm going to take, my, you know, tone and relationship with my family, my interactions, my energy, absolutely everything. And when we start to look at mindset work, just like exercise, everything will start to change. But I love what you said about looking at it as an injury. You know, we have no choice if we break our leg or we break some ribs or whatever to take the action that is necessary to heal. But when things happen mentally and emotionally, we can sweep them under the rug. We can ignore them. We can try to just suit up and go on with our life. But it's leaning into the pain, right? Leaning into the actions. And that's, that's just me. Whenever I, I'm such an action oriented person, 
whether I am up against something physically, but more importantly, emotionally, mentally, when I come up against a wall, it's like, what do I need to do? Like, give me a five-step action plan and I will tackle it, right? But most people don't do that. And one of my most important messages to everybody is that everything people want, the 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 result that they're looking for is found in action, right? You can't, just like you said, there's a huge difference between studying mm-hmm. and listening to a podcast totally different, right? I mean, if we were to go take a college course somewhere that was X amount of hours, we've got to agree that that's radically different than listening to a podcast. Podcasts are great, don't get me wrong, but there's a difference between really leaning in and digging deep into the work of of somebody's life's work. So I've got a question for you. Let let, let me just make one last comment. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the number one motivation in exercise is distraction. And that's why we listen to a podcast and we remember it more succinctly while we're exercising Mm -hmm. than if we're just lounging out by the pool. Mm -hmm. And then to what you said is when you study, when you dive deeper and ask questions, I have the same publisher, Simon Sinek. We've been on the program together so many times. We know his TED Talk, Start With Why?, there's five whys. And if we just keep digging deeper, why, 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 why? Someone comes late to work and you're the owner or you're the manager and you say, why? Uh, I didn't wake up on my alarm. I didn't set my alarm. Well, and you let it go? No, why didn't you set your alarm? I came in way too late. Last night I was out with my friends and I had too much to drink. Why did you have too much to drink, stay out way late with your friends when you knew that the next day was a work day? Now you're starting to get to the mm-hmm. real source. Uh, things aren't going well at home and I just needed to go tie one on. I just needed to escape. Now as a leader, as an owner, as a manager, yes. as a friend, you can say, let's find you some help. Let's reach yeah. out. Yeah. Let's give you some resources. Take some time off. Go focus. Let me help you. I will be there. Non-judgmental friendship, unconditional love. Yes. Which brings up to the thing I really wanted to point out. We can't just create discomfort or we can't just look at things that are happening as an injury because too many times, Moira, we have a tendency to only focus on the symptoms Mm -hmm. instead of on the source of pain. Here's the example. So I remember when I blew out my knee, I mean, I'm a macho man, you know, I'm still 6'5", 235. I think, yeah, be a big boy, don't cry. So what do I do? I weather the pain, I cowboy up. Yeah. Well, eventually my knee injury hurts so badly, I start to limp. Now the limp causes back pain. And when I finally break down because it's so unbearable, what do, I, what, what, what do most people do? What did I do? I went to a back doctor who can't fix it because it's not a back injury. It's a knee right. injury. Right. We need to scratch where it itches. If, you're, yes. if your elbow itches, you don't scratch your nose. Right. So we have to be so honest with our pain. We have to be so honest with what's causing our marriage to fall apart. Why isn't our business growing? Why, why do we have this inferiority complex, this imposter syndrome? Why, why, why? And read to the source of what causing it. And it might be childhood. It might be some extraordinary, significant emotional experience that you've never dealt with, that you've never gone through the steps of rehab to deal with and learn from and heal from. So, what we have to also do is remember 
every part of our body, every part of our heart, our, 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 our motion, our attitude that's been broken can be fixed. But let's not scratch the surface. Not, right. Let's not go into the doctor and say, you know, I'm having headaches. And the doctor gives you aspirin and sends you home, gives you Tylenol and sends you home. Instead of doing a CAT scan and MRI and finding that you have early stage, you know, basal cell carcinoma, which my daughter right. just had a, 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 a cancerous, mm. cancer, you know, cut from her forehead because she noticed it early enough to go in and have it taken care of. Yeah. I think that was worth bringing up in our conversation, my friend, because we've got to be willing to go to the source of pain. Right. Especially if we're, if our, I keep bringing up our marriages, I keep bringing up our most important relationships and it's so important that we realize no other success can compensate for failure in the home. Mm -hmm. And instead of us getting Absolutely. pushed by this or that, let's just go to the heart and soul. Are we having trouble communicating? How about coming on the other side of the hand and seeing what our teenagers really going through? Right. We were there once instead of seeing what our spouse or significant other is really going through so that we're not going head to head. We're sitting on the same side of the issue and looking in the same direction together. Yeah. And what you said about the five levels of why, you know, it's, that is such an incredibly powerful exercise oh, that yeah. you can obviously take somebody through. And, and I've, I've actually been in a group coaching environment and seen the power of this where somebody was getting very defensive and almost combative. And I just said, well, why, why? And then I, I mean, within 20 to 30 seconds, I, you know, I did, but well, why that? And I wasn't trying to pull a fast one on her. But I said, well, then tell me why. And she went from angry, defensive to bawling in 30 seconds because it got to the core of what was really there. And I've even had to do this with my own children when I, in moments of frustration, you know, why is, why can he not get up and get out of bed and da, 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 you know, and then it's like, well, because he's not going to bed at night. Why isn't he going to bed at night? You know, you just dig deeper and you think, you instantly, within moments, you get to, from a place of anger and frustration to compassion and empathy and understanding. And through where, when you're in compassion and empathy and understanding, that's when you can see the solution, right? That's when you can see the action you need to take. Yep. And so, Stephen Covey, you know, I lived in Utah forever and uh, became really good friends with Stephen Covey. My girlfriend's dad was his first cousin, and we oh, used wow. to spend a lot of time, breakfast, lunches, everything. Helped his son, his son, Sean, write his book on whatever. And he tells a famous story. I used to have one of my offices in Stanford, Connecticut. And so that's a work train from Manhattan up to Stanford, Greenwich, Connecticut, where so many people live and then they commute to the city. And because it's a work train, 99.9% .9 of the people who board the plane sit down, immediately pull out their briefcase, their bag, <clears throat> excuse me, immediately pull out their computer and work so that when they finally get home, they can walk in the door, hi, mom, hi, dad, hi, sweetheart. And Stephen Covey tells the story. They've all boarded this work train. They're working feverishly. And on the next stop, this young father <clears throat> boards, the plant, boards the train with two young children. And the guy sits down, and his children are running all around, kind of screaming, crawling up on the benches and everything. And Stephen Covey, because of who he is, he decides to be proactive. And he says, hey, excuse me, sir. Your children are running all out of control. Can you just kind of help us? We're all trying to work here. 
And Stephen Covey says, this guy, he had that look on his face, that twilight zone, these are my words, twilight zone between sleep and awake, snapped him back into reality. And with a tear coming down his cheek, he says, I am so sorry. I'm just returning home from my wife's funeral. Uh, I've got these two little children, and I don't know what I'm going to do. To your point, instead of us judging, if we can just focus on the... Uh, on the perspective and look at it from their side. We don't see things as they are. We see things right. as we are. I think I think that's powerful stuff. You know what? Uh, let me just bring up something else, just kind of a segue before you ask me another question. <laughs> so out of my 37 books, my flagship book is called The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. That's it. Okay, that's where I was going next, Dan. Uh, I uh, love this. Go for it. You know, achieving the level beyond success published by Penguin Random House. So that's when Simon Sinek and I first connected as authors, Adrian Zakheim, that that publisher. And when I finished my book tour, the most frequently asked question was, what's the difference between success and significance? Mm -hmm. And I think as I've listened to your your speeches, uh, Moira, I think you, you are so incredible and so astute and so in tune with my observation. I just happen to quantify it into two words that are familiar. And so to illustrate and answer that question, I reflect on a conversation I had with a football teammate. He was drafted in the National Football League in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. And after two years with the Eagles, he's traded to my Oakland Raiders. After four years in the league playing at the highest Pro Bowl level, One day he walks out of practice, quits, never to play again. Why? He loved being a football player, but he hated playing football. Think about it. He loved the celebrity perks and the fame and fortune that allowed him to live this life we call successful. Nice house, nice body, nice income, nice toys, nice holidays. But because his inner voice and his true purpose in life, as we talked about calling earlier, yes, so that was misaligned with what he was doing and what he had to do to get it. He would never live a life of significance and he would die with regrets and with his intentions and music still in him. Wow. Successful people get what they think they want, focusing in on what matters at the moment. Right. But those of us who are striving to live lives of significance, mm-hmm. Focus on what matters most, which is what lasts the longest, so we don't die with our music still in us. Mm. So as I was listening to one of your speeches, that obviously connected. That's how we speak, and that's how we listen as an audience, and that's where that true engagement and connection comes from. You tell a story that resonates and reflects, kicks me back to a point in my life where I had the same type of experience, and you're just reiterating what I know, what I knew. Right. Remember, Plato taught all knowledge is recollection. Yes. So when any one of us stand on stage and we say something profound or evocative and people in the audience nod their heads in agreement, we're not teaching them anything new. They're recalling something that they already learned in a previous experience. Let's Mm -hmm. relate to that. And you share that message as well, Moira, in your own way. But what we have to understand is if we decide to go on this massive diet and we think we want the perfect body, mm-hmm. and we've grown up bullied because we were obese or out of shape for some reason, and we feel like we're emotionally scarred because of our body image, 
And that's our focus. And we get what we think we want, but in the process, we sacrifice our business, our family, our charitable giving, our, our, our most important relationships. That's not getting what we want. That's right. I mean, getting what we think we want, but it's not wanting what we get and we'll die with our music still in us. Yeah. So when I sit on a plane, when I invite someone who wants to get involved in cold calling, mm -hmm. and we, we say, all you have to do is just sit down by a stranger and ask them, what three goals do you have for 2023 or 2024 or whatever? 100% of the time, every human on the planet in any country, in any language, has a relationship goal, a health goal, and a financial goal. Yep. Yeah. And if we understand that we can dissect life into those first three, mm -hmm. and then add to those what I call the balance wheel of nine aspects of life, you know, all the gurus, Richard, Robbins, my old mentor, uh, Zig Ziglar for 25 years, Jim Rohn, he called me a couple of weeks before he passed away. He was a dear friend, dear mentor. Mm -hmm. You go all the way back to Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, maybe even mm -hmm. Napoleon Hill. Everybody had their own balance wheel, yes. but most of them, out of respect, only identified the six areas or categories of life, and they named them nouns, which evoke no emotion, physical, mm -hmm. mental, spiritual, social, financial, and family. So I decided to dissect life and deepen it and, and broaden it into nine categories and aspects of life and turn my titles into action verbs. Oh, I love that. Uh, Physical fitness, you go to the gym every day, what we've been talking about. Continuous education. If your resume is the same today as it was yesterday, shame on you. If it was the same today, this year as it was last year, shame on all of us. Right. Deeper spirituality. Remember, religions for those who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for those of us who have already been there. Mm -hmm. We know, you know, oh, it, was, yes. it was the mate as well. Emotional stability. Social networking, how to how to influence the affluent, uh, financial literacy, family togetherness, uh, fun and recreation, mm -hmm. changing your state, which you talk about in your speeches, physiology, get up. I'm not going to make you dance. You should have. That would have been awesome. <laughs> and charitable giving. Zig Ziglar reminds all of us, you can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. Wealth flows through you, might, might add to that. Well, those through you, not to you. So the nine categories of life. And in my balance wheel, I can send you a PDF of that if you want. To I would it. love that. But it's in my book, The Art of Significance, because what I did is I diagrammed the infogram as a, a wheel in the inside is the axle. 15 ticks in the, in the nine spokes that go out to uh, physical fitness, continuous education all the way around. And the goal, the exercise is to man in the mirror, woman in the mirror. What are you performing? Currently, right now, it's your scorekeeping report mm -hmm. card, and you mark it. Right. And you might be at seven, you might be at 10, you might be at three, you might be at 13, and then you connect the dots, and it's usually a jagged wheel. And then mm -hmm. the debrief is, if your life is bumpy, if your road seems bumpy, if your life's tough, most of us blame the road. Right. When in all reality, all we have to do is just smooth out. Yeah our life by doing one thing on a daily basis to move the needle up until we eventually get that balance. Because if I meet somebody who has this beautiful carved fit body and they've lost their, their, they're, they're making no money and they've lost their relationships because of it, I can't respect them or follow right. them. Right. The same holds true. <clears throat> you find someone who's extremely spiritual and I don't want to throw God under the bus, 
<laughs> if they've let their body go and their yeah. family go because they're just so self-righteous, right? Brutish, that's not cool. And and uh, this is the, the this is so critically important for every one of your viewers and fans to know. That's why I love and respect you so much. Uh, well, thank oh, you. That's and you're and not that, none of us are, but you are actively working on all nine aspects yeah. of your life, which gives you the right. It qualifies you to be a coach, not because of what you read. And this takes us full circle to the first question you asked me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I want to be a coach. Yeah, I think I want to be a paid speaker. And not unless you've traveled that road before, my friends. Not unless right. you've got, you know, some scars. And we don't want to yeah. hear you from an open wound. Wow, 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 victim right. mentality. I don't want to hear those stories. Yeah. What Moya reminds us about, and hopefully I do too, and the speakers that you listen to and follow, the coaches that you admire and follow. They don't talk to us from a point of open wound. Yeah. They only share their scars. Yeah. I've yeah. been there, done that. <clears throat> but more importantly, you can do what we have done. Right, right. Because we've been there. Absolutely. And we're, and we're continuously doing it. And it's the it's the processes and the exercises and, and repeating them, right? I do exactly what you just talked about every single December. I do a huge deep dive, reflect on my past year, on my life, where I am currently in all those different areas, because you have to assess where you are now. You can't just look for where you want to go if you don't know exactly where you are. And when I answer those questions and I go through that process, it blows my mind, the gaps that are in there sometimes where I'm like, whoa, you know, I would have normally rated myself. I remember at one time I was doing one, one year and you would think that a top fitness, you know, expert would rate their physical fitness a nine or a 10. And then I had to answer questions like, well, how much caffeine am I consuming? How much sleep am I getting? And I'm like, holy crap, I just scored a three on physical, you know, and that was a huge wake up call to me. And so just like you said, then it's like, well, let me shift this. Let me, let me start drinking less caffeine. Let me start getting more sleep. And and your wheel just smooths out, right? And when you're doing that in every area, it doesn't take turning the world upside down to create massive change in your life. It takes a daily commitment to the small behaviors that move the needle. I always say the small things aren't small things. The small things are everything, right? That's how you can create a beautiful life. And it's doable. It takes intention and it takes action. How did we, how did we talk already for 50 minutes? I know I'm like, this conversation is just, I'm soaking up every word. Let me just throw out one other thing really quickly that, you know, I love to ask my audience members, how many of you are multitaskers and everybody raises their hands, especially a working mother. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you just publicly admitted that you're lousy at a lot of things and they all giggle. And I suggest what would happen if you started thinking like a juggler, because the juggler only controls the ball in her hand. Once you've let go of the ball, you've relinquished control. So why worry about it? And that's how you deal with anxiety and stress. Use those those as a positive, as a gift. Like you say, envy is a gift. What? Yeah, I wish I could do that. Well, then freaking do something to get from where you are to where you want to be one step at a time. Yes. And you can do that. Oh my gosh, I need to spend more time with this child than another, with more, with my spouse. You're never dropping the family ball, but some once in a while you drop the, the work ball and it's rubber and it always bounces back. Yeah. 
fitness ball. It's not going to crash and burn. You can always glue that back together. Yeah. yeah I think we've, um, we've shared some simple wisdom today, my friend. Some simple get wisdom. Have to get off. I'm, come on, girl. I know. I feel like, the, I mean, there's so many other things that I want to dig into. We're just going to have to have you back on the show. Cause I, yeah. I know there's a lot of people in my audience that are super curious about how to build a speaking career, you know, the steps to do that. And so I think that's just a separate conversation that we're going to have to have very soon. Let me ask you this as we wrap up, you started with this, the question being, if you knew the message you wanted to drive five hours, one way to give, I know you've probably shared so much of it already today, but what would it be for you? It's, that every every person on this earth matters. Mm-hmm. And until we understand that, we will make excuses. Yeah, the pl- plane was canceled. I've never missed a speech since 1982. I've never missed a speech. I've had flights canceled. I've rented cars and driven seven hours through the badlands of Nebraska into Rapid City, South Dakota to make a speech. And I was the only speaker out of the three-day conference who showed up Wow. Because of inclement weather. And that doesn't make me a noble soul. I just know that there's one man and woman in every audience, even listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's hurting as badly as I was. And I'm driven by that calling to, to try and make a difference because when I lost my identity playing football for 13 years, paralyzed for 14 months, I went to 16 doctors, 15 of whom told me I would not recover. I would never get any better. And what happens if you believe it, you never get any better in my life. What? I thought was rock bottom. Yeah. Now that I've recovered, no one ever hits rock bottom. We hit rock foundation. We hit rock belief. We hit the baseline core values and governing principles on which we were raised. Question asked, Clark, why did you go to so many different doctors? I kept going from doctor to doctor until I found one who believed I would get better. Yeah. Who reminds us that knowledge is power, but it has no heart. We don't learn to know. We learn to do reason leads to conclusions, but it is emotion that leads to action. Yes. The last thing, the last question, what took me so long to to recover, which is a powerful way to answer your question. I stayed paralyzed for 14 months because I was asking the wrong questions. I was asking the doctors how to get better when I should have been asking myself why. And once we answer why, figuring out the how-to becomes clear and simple. Yes. Which makes my football injury one of the best things that ever happened for me. Yes. So I would drive five hours one way to say this. When we only focus on the what and the how, we only engage the brain. Yeah. But when we add to that a passionate why and a meaningful want and a goal, we connect our head with our heart. And physiologically, our blood pumps more rapidly, our brains fire, and our muscles magnify, which maximizes our performance. Yeah. If we only focus on the how and the what, which makes us transactional people, mm-hmm. transactional leaders, transactional coaches and speakers, instead of transformational, where people leave us saying, I like me best when I'm with you, I want to see you again. If we're only transactional, shame on us. We're not engaging and acknowledging that everybody matters. Yes. So I want to make sure that everybody within my space, online, in a podcast, reading one of my books, listening to me as a speaker, knows that I don't just whip off stock speech A, that I'm there in an inspirational conversation. I research and make sure I support your meeting theme, support what you're going through, 
And that's what makes you so powerful, my friend. You listen, mm. you go to your, 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 your well of experiences. You don't come from a place of victim mentality. You come from a place of victory. Yeah. But you also remind us we have to be ordinary before we're extraordinary. Yes. And so that makes you everything that you are. It's a long answer to your simple question, but I think that's why we connected a long time ago and why we need to stay connected. Yes. And uh, and why we need to make ourselves available to everyone else who wants to connect. I hope we can figure out a way to let people stay in touch with me and connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a rich full of wisdom conversation this was, Dan. I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, we are going to get all of your resources. So I know you mentioned the PDF, but anything that you have that my listeners could opt into, we will put all the links and everything in the show notes. But Dan, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been let's such this, an honor. Let's, let's do this again. And I'll have you on my podcast. And and uh, we have mutual friends. <clears throat> yes. And I can't wait till we're in the same room with Amberly and Brendan, and I get to say Moira Kusaba, yes. <laughs> the best speaker I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, you are too much. You are too much. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for your time. You guys, make sure you share this episode, share it on your social media tag Dan, tag myself. We would love to hear back from you the impact that this has had because we are both in the business of transformation and we hope that this message today has impacted and transformed your life. Thanks Thank again, you. guys. I honor you. I admire you. Thanks. Thank you. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful to us. And share in your social media. Tag me. I love hearing what you guys have to say, your takeaways, all the things. So make sure you're tagging me in your social media posts when you share the episodes. And we will see you next week. <laughs>